Entering into marriage with the right perspective will save you from some disappointment down the line. A person gets into a marriage and they assume, and falsely I might add, that this other person is going to meet all of my needs. Let me just tell you right away, ladies, he can't. Men, she can't. There are certain needs that each one of us have that only God can meet those needs. And if you are looking to this person to meet those needs, imagine the bar that you've raised for them. And when they fall short of it, and they will, suddenly you're disillusioned. Suddenly, you know what? You're not who I thought you were. Well, you know what? You're not who I thought you were. Well, fine then. It's sad, but it happens. Calvary South OC welcomes you to A Daily Walk with Pastor John Randall. Today, we'll set out to better understand God's purpose for our marriages and what the Bible says about divorce. Are there ever biblical grounds for a divorce? Let's say you're married to an unbeliever. What are you supposed to do? And are you free to remarry should they choose to leave you? There you have a few very common questions, and the Bible has answers. Here's Pastor John in Luke 16. Paul talks about reconciliation, and there is the need for reconciliation in homes. There's going to be times, even if you have a good marriage, when you're going to offend the other person, when you're going to blow it, when you're going to say something you shouldn't have said, and what are you supposed to do? Repent. Say, I'm sorry. (laughs) Sometimes it's so hard to say that, because if I say I'm sorry, then that means I did something wrong. But I want the other person to realize that they also did something wrong. And so I'll say I'm sorry, but I'm saying sorry with the intent of, I'm sorry. How about you? You're not going to say, and and they don't, or they might. I need to be responsible for myself. I need to repent. I need to make sure that my heart's right with God. So Paul reiterates what Jesus says, stay together. But now he talks about, listen, the person who is a believer who is married to a non-believer. How is that supposed to go? What are you supposed to do in that situation? This is a question because here's what was happening. There were people who were getting saved in Corinth and they were unsaved. One spouse comes to Christ. The other spouse is not yet saved. What are we supposed to do? Paul, you talked about being unequally yoked. Are we unequally yoked? Am I supposed to get out of this or, or what do I do? Paul seems to address that issue. And so look what it says. Pay close attention. Verse 12. But to the rest, I, not the Lord. That is, Jesus didn't comment on this, but I'm going to comment on it. If any brother has a wife, notice, who does not believe. She's a non-believer. And she is willing to live with him. Let him not divorce her. Now he says, and a woman who has a husband who does not believe. If he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. Well, why? He says, for the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. But if the unbeliever departs, deserts that other person, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. For how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband How do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? Again, Paul now speaking to the believer who is married to the non-believer. What are they supposed to do? Paul gives us some guidelines here. If that non-believer, whether husband or wife, is willing to live with you, pleased to dwell with you, don't divorce them. Stay with them. 
And there's a couple of reasons for that. For one thing, if you have children, your children are going to be affected. You're the sanctifying influence in your home for your kids. You're the one that's going to bring them to church. You're the one that's going to disciple them. If dad's not going to do it, mom, then you're going to do it. If mom's not going to do it, dad, then you're the one that's got to do it. It's supposed to be both of you together. But if that's not happening, then you being in that marriage and keeping that marriage together, you are influencing your children. Furthermore, you may have the opportunity to influence your spouse who's not saved. Oh, I've seen it happen many times. I've seen people who got married, they were both non-Christians. And then in that process, when they they were non-Christians, one of them gets saved. And so they start going to church. And initially, maybe it's the man. He doesn't want to go to church. He wants to stay home. But the wife starts going. And maybe initially when, when she starts going, she starts preaching to her husband. She comes home with tapes, you know, not tapes, but CDs. I am so old. And so are you if you know what a tape is. But he he brings home CDs, you know, all the rest of it, you know, takes notes. Did you see, puts it in his, you know, whatever, and in his newspaper, and he opens it. There's a bulletin from church, and, you know, all these different things. Puts a sticker from the church on the mirror where he shaves, I mean, on his car, trying to get his attention, preaching at him, telling him, you know what, honey, Uh, here's your breakfast, but you're going to go to hell if you don't repent. All right, have a great day. You know, those kinds of things. And it doesn't go over well, you know? But then she comes to this place where she just starts living her faith. She loves her husband, and she just lives her faith out. She loves him the same way that Jesus loves him. And I've watched as wives have been a witness in their home, and I've seen husbands come around and think, I don't know what happened to this woman. But something's different. She's different than, than when I married her. And whatever she has, I want that. And God uses that wife. Or I've seen children who their mom or their dad brings them to church and they do their coloring page. And here's a picture of Jesus on the cross. And they bring it home to their dad. They say, Daddy, look what Jesus did. Daddy, are you going to heaven or are you going to hell? What are they teaching down at that church? I am going down there and talking to that pastor. Then they end up getting saved. How do you know that you might not be the one to lead them to Christ? It happens all the time. I'm not saying it's easy to have your home be the mission field. It's difficult. It's challenging when you can't share that which is most important to you in your life. It's hard. But God will equip you. God will enable you to be that light within your home. And listen, if you're a non-believing husband here today, God's calling you out. You need to get saved, friend. You need to know that you're on your way to heaven. Your wife might not be able to say that to you, but I'll say it to you. I don't have to go home with you. But here's the thing. (laughs) You need to get right with the Lord. You need to repent of sin. You need to be converted. Do you know that you're going to heaven? If you don't, the Bible says you're on your way to hell. And God's called you to repent and get right. He loves you. He sent his son to die for you. And today be a great day to be born again. I encourage you to do so before the service is over. There you go, ladies. I did it. Or whatever. You know, husbands, same thing applies to you wives. You need to come to Jesus if they're pleased to dwell with you. But then Paul makes another statement here that I'd like to unpack for a moment. He says, if the non-believer departs, that is... They're not having it. I, I don't want to be married to you anymore. If you're going to serve the Lord, if you're going, I'm, that's not what I'm about. I'm not going to do this. And they decide to leave. What are you to do in those cases? It would appear that Paul says in those cases, there's not much you can do. 
You can pray for them. You can seek to reconcile. You can seek counsel. You can reach out to them. But if a person is determined to depart, then they depart. And it says here that that person is not under bondage in such cases. That there is this, I believe, freedom, liberty, under the Lord, by his grace to remarry. You didn't ask for this. You didn't desire this. This wasn't something that you wanted. You worked toward reconciliation. This person was not willing to respond. They were not willing to repent and get right. And there was nothing else that you could do. Paul says that they're pleased to dwell with you. A person that departs, they're not pleased to dwell with you. That's pretty evident because they've left. I would say another way, and again, this is not the extensive list of things that happen. I'm just giving you some of the things that I've observed. A person that is in a home, let's say, for example, a wife is in a home where a husband is physically abusing her or the children are in danger because of the use of drugs or or whatever, alcohol, and all these things are are happening in the home. And God never made you to be a punching bag for, for a man. That's not God's intention. And... I would say that if you are suffering under physical abuse in that regard, that he's not pleased to dwell with you. There may be a period of time of separation so that conflicts can be resolved in a setting where there can be godly counsel and there can be room for restoration. But in that kind of an environment, it's really difficult to work on anything. And so there are times when separation is needed for the hope of reconciliation. And that is important. I will say also that I've observed over the years women that are very combative. It's difficult if a woman gets into the face of her husband and is screaming obscenities in his face and saying all kinds of things for a man to maintain self-control especially if he's not a godly man oh i don't advocate or say that what his response would be in the aspect of a physical altercation is right but i've known many women that are pretty physical and violent as well and that's startling these are things that are just ugly these are things that are sinful that god doesn't desire for your marriage in any way jesus said divorce was not god's original intention It was not God's desire from the beginning. God desires one man, one woman for life. There are cases when unfaithfulness, infidelity, and there is an option for divorce, but even then, God can work. In the case of desertion, what are you to do? Many times, as I said, there isn't much that you can do. The question, I think, then becomes, What is God's purpose for our marriages to begin with? Because some people really do not understand that. And I think if some of this was considered before they got married, then their marriage wouldn't fall apart. What is God's desire? We need to understand what God's purpose is. And I remember when Michelle and I were first married and we had some neighbors across the street and they were having problems in their marriage. They were recently married as well. They were non-believers but you could hear their problems. Very vocal. I remember one day the man coming out of his house and I I wanted to minister to him. I sought to reach out to him. Really, I wanted him to get saved. And he told me very flippantly and he said, well, I guess we've just become a statistic. 
He was packing his car and moving away. It was a sad day. But I think if we thought about before we got married, why it is we're getting married, and we got married to the right person, and we thought about that before, then things would be different. Now listen, some people get married with unrealistic expectations. Let me describe what I mean by that. A person gets into a marriage and they assume, and falsely I might add, that this other person is going to meet all of my needs. Let me just tell you right away, ladies, he can't. Men, she can't. There are certain needs that each one of us have that only God can meet those needs. And if you are looking to this person to meet those needs, imagine the bar that you've raised for them. And when they fall short of it, and they will, suddenly you are disillusioned. Suddenly, you know what? You're not who I thought you were. Well, you know what? You're not who I thought you were. Well, fine then. It's sad, but it happens. Unrealistic expectations. Furthermore, somebody gets married, not only unrealistic expectations, but let's suggest this, the wrong foundation to build on. Oh, that happens all the time. These people get hooked up before they get married and they start, you know, engaging in sexual immorality and then they, their mind gets all, you know, what happens? And suddenly they think, I love this person. I just want to marry them. Are they a Christian? I don't care. And then they go forward and they get married. And then suddenly they come home from the honeymoon and all the euphoria begins to wear off. And you realize this is a real human being. And I don't really like the way they smell. And I don't really like the way they act. And I, suddenly all these things happen. And so now, now there's a lot of problems you built on the wrong foundation. Guys, you want to know the best, best foundation to build on? Here's a secret. Build on Jesus. <laughs> build on Jesus. If you have a husband that is in love with Jesus, seeking to live for the Lord in his Bible, and you have a wife in that same way, boy, there's such a beautiful relationship that you can have. When this relationship is right on the vertical and the horizontal relationship can be right. But if this is out of alignment with the Lord Jesus, I find that every other relationship struggles as well. But when you have that, man, what a blessing. Pastor Chuck used to say that your marriage could either be heaven on earth or hell on earth. And I think a lot of it has to do with if you're both seeking Jesus, if you're both pursuing the Lord, that is so important. I have found that the best role model for me to follow, to emulate is Jesus. And I want to be more like him. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a a better father, a better pastor, a better Christian. But the only way I can do that is if I'm abiding in the Lord. And he says that if I abide in him, that I will bear much fruit in all those areas of my life. And so will you. Many times I've sat down with couples and at some point, here's what happens. Typically the wife comes in and and the husband comes in and they're sitting there. And and it's usually part of the reason why they're there is because there's a problem. And the wife begins, oh, let me tell you, Pastor John, this guy. And she's pointing and he's this and he's that. And you know, someone told me one time that when you point at someone, you have three fingers pointing back at you. So I go like this. (laughs) Let me tell you what she's doing. And the wife knows everything, everything that the husband ought to be doing and he's not doing. And she lists it. He's not loving me like Christ loved the church. And furthermore, he's not a spiritual leader. And secondly, and finally, and you know, two hours later, 
the guy says, can I say something? And usually he's, his thing is just, she's not submitted. All right, you know, that's it. He's got one point. And, and they both know what the other one's not doing. And so here's what happens in the house. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, and they're just constantly, if you would do what you're supposed to do, then I would do what I'm supposed to do. And that's kind of how it goes. And the woman says, well, I'll tell you what. When he starts loving me like Christ of the church, then I'll start respecting him. And the husband says, I'll tell you what. You start respecting me, and I'll start loving you like Christ of the church. <laughs> and so what happens? Neither one of them is doing what they're supposed to be doing. They get on opposite sides of the house. They have separate rooms. Started off in one bed, then it went to bunk beds, then it went separate rooms. <laughs> Not good. Not healthy. They're roommates. And the only time they talk is when they have to. Husband says, what's for dinner? The wife says, nothing. <laughs> Who's going to drive the kids to school? You are. And it's just miserable, man. That's not God's desire. If this describes your marriage, you have problems. <laughs> and God wants to work through these things. We need to repent. Someone said that marriage is, it's like a garden. It takes work. It takes careful consideration, daily care, trimming back this, cutting away that, and watering this in order that when you see that garden, it's something wonderful. It's something that our Heavenly Father, the one who is referred to as the, as the vine dresser, will be pleased with what he sees. The, the fragrance of Christ will be evident in that home, in that relationship. This is what God desires. How important this is. And I'll tell you, Going on 22 years, I don't have it all figured out. I'm still learning. I mean, there are things that I thought I knew. You'd think I would have figured it out in the first 21 years. Expert. And then I think, oh, really? I didn't know you thought about that. I didn't know you felt that way about that. Well, that surprises me. Let me write that down. I didn't know. Still clueless. Still learning. Pretty thick. I talked to a young couple. They're coming up on their one-year anniversary. I did their wedding. I said, how's it about one year? They're like, yeah, it's almost one year. I said, so how's it going? He said, you know, I didn't learn a lot. I didn't, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, yeah. On the job training. <laughs> There's certain things you cannot learn in a book. You end up learning by being married. But here's the thing. The most important decision, second to Making a decision to follow Jesus is the decision who you are going to spend the rest of your days here on this earth with. And you want to make very sure that you select the right person and that you are faithful and committed to them for life until Jesus comes for you first. And some of you are saying, Lord Jesus, come for me. <laughs> but I want to suggest God has better things in mind for you. I've seen God do things in marriages that I thought would never happen. I've observed just the, the power of God at work in, in ways that went beyond my ability to comprehend. Listen, if you're in a marriage today and you're doing well, praise God. Don't take that for granted. Continue to cultivate. Continue to flourish. Serve one another. If you're in a marriage that's struggling, maybe it's, it's a difficult season, don't call it quits. Don't give up. God is able to work through even the most difficult circumstances. And maybe you're sitting here today saying, I am so uncomfortable. But you know, maybe that's the Holy Spirit. Maybe that's the Holy Spirit saying, you know, this is where you've been wrong. 
and you need to repent for what you've done and let the Lord sort it out in his life or let the Lord sort it out in your life or, or whatever, but, but you be the one. Divorce isn't an option. It's not something we should joke about, something we should threaten with in times of a heated discussion. I believe that as Christians that we ought to completely divorce ourselves from the idea of divorce. What about remarriage? And again, as I said, I'm not going to go into every single aspect. I think there is grace. I know there is grace. I know that God is faithful to forgive and restore. Every situation is different, but that remarriage must be in the Lord. What about the single person today? Say, well, what should I be doing? You're talking about all these married people. Wait for the right person. And while you're waiting, concentrate on being the right person. If you have a desire to be married, that's a wonderful desire that comes from the Lord. But I want to encourage you to be the right person. Well, I hope she's pure. Well, young man, keep yourself pure. Well, I hope he saved himself. Young lady, save yourself. Be the person you would like to marry and look for that person. Don't just go around. You know, some people, they just search and search and they go from this person to that person to that person. They go to the club, they go to this thing, they go to that and they, yeah, find somebody, you know, and and you just think, what are you doing? And they set the bar really low. Are they breathing? All right, I think they're the one. I'm I'm just impatient, you know? I'm not willing to wait for the right one. Do yourself a favor and wait for the right one. If you're in a relationship presently, keep it pure, keep it right. Build on the solid foundation, establish that trust and build it on Jesus. And if you do, it'll last and it'll be a blessing. You want that person that you're married to to be your best friend, your best friend next to your best friend, who's Jesus. Well, thanks for joining us today on A Daily Walk. To catch a replay of today's message from Pastor John Randall, simply go online to adailywalk.org or listen to us wherever you get your podcasts and through the Calvary South OC app. If you'd rather have a CD copy of the study from our Through the Bible series, we can send that to you for a cost of $5. Here's where to reach us toll free, 877-242-0828. You can use that to order resources, or if you have any questions, that's 877-242-0828. We light up around here when a listener shares what God is doing in their life and how they're helped through the teaching of God's Word. If you feel led to write, here's our email address, adailywalk at gmail.com. That's adailywalk at gmail.com. It sure would be nice to connect with you. Hi, this is Michelle Randall with some exciting news about my new 366-day devotional, A Daily Walk for Women. You know, it's my prayer that these words from my personal devotional life will encourage you in this season that you're in and throughout the year. It's my hope that this devotional will really prime the pump and get you moving in the right direction each morning and be sort of like a pep talk from your personal cheerleader. I pray that you enjoy this labor of love as you look to Jesus each day.
We pray this devotional will bring you hope as you seek Jesus and share in the wisdom of God from the heart of a pastor's wife. We're offering it for the special price of $15. Just call us and request a daily walk for women at 877-242-0828 or go online to adailywalk.org. Again, that's 877-242-0828. And please remember, it's your faithful contribution to the Lord's work at A Daily Walk that allows us to bring Pastor John's studies to the radio every day. We can't do it alone and totally rely on the Lord to make all this happen. Secure donations can be made at adailywalk.org. With these concluding remarks, here's John once again. Finally, I want to just say a word to those who have come from a broken situation. You didn't ask for it. It was not something you desired, nor something that you ever thought would happen. And it did. And maybe you feel condemned. You feel like this isn't what I wanted. And you're broken. And I want you to know, the Bible says that the Lord is near to those who are of a broken heart. And he saves such as have a contrite spirit. God is a restoring God. God is a God of reconciliation and restoration, and God can heal even the things that you think, even this morning, I don't know that I could ever recover from this. I want to tell you something. We serve a great physician, and he is able to heal, and he is able to restore. I want to encourage you to yield to that work of the Spirit in your life. We're talking about life, death, and eternity next time on A Daily Walk with John Randall. A Daily Walk is a presentation of Calvary South O.C., 